everyone, welcome back to the CIV podcast. Uh, my name is Ryan. And I'm Alex. And we are just so excited to be here to introduce another person on the pod. Uh, but if you have some time, if you haven't watched our first two episodes, go check them out. Uh, our first episode was with me and Alex, yeah. and we talked about our first faith journeys. And uh, our last episode was with Pastor Abraham. So uh, today, we have the amazing pleasure of speaking, and we're on the conversation couch, talking to Pastor Nim. What's going on? Hello. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. It's awesome. Yeah, so we've been talking a lot about our faith journeys and um, how we have gotten to the place that we're at, to the spots that we're at in our Christianity and our faith. Um, so, I don't know. Dude, should we start from the beginning? Yeah, we can start wherever. Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> Pastor Nim, you're, you're not from here, from Canada. So, where are your humble beginnings? My humble beginnings start in New Zealand. I was born in Wellington. And in a little place called Lower Hutt. And I left there when I was four. And then I came to Sydney, Australia. And that's where I grew up, was mainly in Australia. So the only place I've been outside of Australia to live is Canada, which is where we are today. So. Nice. But my parents are Samoa, so that's where they're from. And then they went from Samoa to New Zealand, New Zealand to Australia. Mm. So that's where most of my family are. Yeah. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but your guys' greeting is... Maloe Lele. That's Tongan. Oh, that's Tongan. That's yes. not Samoan. Oh, that's close. painful. He didn't do his research. Painful. <laughs> painful. No, no, but that's close to us. Like they're, they're, they're family to us, you know. Yeah, for us, it's uh, Talofa Lova. Oh, and, I knew that. Yeah, and Tongan's uh, Maloe Lele. Yes. Say that again. Talofa Lava. Talofa Lava? Or you can just say Talofa. Talofa. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Pastor Iki. He's he's, he's tongue. Tongue. He yeah, tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how I know that. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so you were born and raised in New Zealand. Yep. Mm-hmm. Moved to Sydney at age four. Yep. Um, how about your Christian upbringing? What was that like? Yeah, I grew up in a church, um, Mount Jewett, Samoan Church. We kind of it was like a church plant, mm-hmm. just all Samoans, and then it was fun as a kid. Mm-hmm. Because you have like Wednesday night prayer meeting, mm-hmm. you have Friday night vespers. Uh, if you don't know what vespers is, it's just like a worship service. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, you're there all day, right? So you're there for church, like Sabbath school first. Then you're there for the main service. Then you have lunch. Then you have AYs. And so our culture was like trying to keep you at church right up until sunset so mm-hmm. that you wouldn't mm-hmm. sit on a Sabbath. Mm-hmm. It was an all-day event. It was long. But it was fun. But it was a very, very conservative church, very mm. traditional, but a lot of fun times uh, mm. growing up in that, in that environment. And when you were there like, since like childhood, that was like... Yeah, I was there since we moved from New Zealand to Australia. We were mm. in that church. Okay. And then we kind of just keep moving around, renting different places until we finally settled and bought a church in Mount Jewett. Mount Jewett is like, if you go to Sydney and you ask where's the ghetto in, <laughs> in Sydney, they'll tell you, Mount Jewett. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, obviously Australians will be watching this, so 2770. Okay, <laughs> shout out to the homies. That's right, that's right, 27. <laughs> so that's where I grew up. So it's uh, it's a rough area, but church life yeah. was fun. But there were some challenging times too, because it was a very traditional conservative church. But mm. yeah, for the most part, it was fun. So tell us, though, I, I know this is a bit of a jump, but 
Canada. What brought you to Canada? It's like you sitting here right now with us and having this opportunity. Yeah, Canada was was such a random thing. Like I was at home on Sunday and then this phone call came and I didn't recognize the number, so mm -hmm. I didn't answer it. I Googled the number and all I saw was Kid Zone. I didn't know what that was. And then I was outside, then the number caught again, but I knew it was at Venice, so I mm -hmm. answered it. When I answered it, this face appeared and it was Pastor Walter. And so we had a conversation and then um, he was talking about coming to Canada. I just told him I needed to share with my family because mm -hmm. my thing was my kids have to say yes to it. Mm -hmm. I won't look into a call unless my kids go, yep. And every mm -hmm. single one of them have to say yes. Mm -hmm. So then from that phone call, it led to my kids and my kids had all said yes. And then mm -hmm. we made the decision to look into it. My wife and I came over here, mm -hmm. checked out the church and then went back, talked about it again with my kids and they said yes. So now we're here. Wow, thanks to Anton, Isaiah, and... <laughs> thanks, Anton. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's, so how's, how's Canada, though? How are you liking it so far? I mean, it's probably like, like a culture like shock, too, as well. I mean, not only for you, but for your family. Like It's a, it's a big shock. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of similarities to mm -hmm. Australians, and, you know, that's because we're part of the Commonwealth, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of British influence here as well as in Australia. But the similarities are, are, are good... Canadians are very nice, man. Very nice people. Hey, if you say so. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Australians are a bit different and uh, forthright. But um, it was a big culture shock. Mm -hmm. You know, my family had its ups and downs trying mm -hmm. to settle. Uh, more my family, like my wife and my kids. Um, but we, we're starting to get mm -hmm. out of that, out of that struggle. You know, yeah. so yeah. we're looking forward to the future. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah, what was it uh, like before coming here? Like, where were you pastoring and um, how was the culture different from here? Yeah, so the church I was at previously was Avondale Memorial Church. So it's a big church. They had two services, like mm -hmm. one uh, in a traditional church. So that was a traditional church service. And so I would be wearing a suit when I'm in that church preaching. Mm. Then when I would go to the other service, it's a contemporary family church. Mm -hmm. So I would be in jeans and a, and a shirt. <laughs> nice. So it was two different um, cultures on the, on, the one, on the one premise. Mm -hmm. So that was unique. And it was really good for me to see mm -hmm. and appreciate the two different styles. But I'm more familiar with traditional churches because mm -hmm. that's what I grew up with. Mm. So very, um, it was a fun church, loving church. They supported us and... But there's nothing in Australia that's like CRV. Mm. There's nothing like it. How so, though? Like, in what terms? There's, of no, there's no Adventist church that has a building like CRV. Mm. There's no Adventist church that has AOK, mm. like their own charitable arm. Like, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Really? And that was part of the challenge for me that I was mm -hmm. like, that excited me. Yeah. Because it would stretch me, it would grow me, teach me new things. And that's why I was excited to come, but it needed it get the approval of my kids so right. I'm really happy to be here yeah and to be able to stretch myself being here yeah you know, so. and the time that you have been here how do you feel like not only I feel like your faith but like maybe your um the way you view pastoring and your journey as well like how has that changed for you since because you know it's a lot different here than it was over there yeah I mean my faith journey has been massive because 
the moment we landed here, mm-hmm. man, my family just got attacked like mm-hmm. crazy. Like mm-hmm. my kids were having a tough time, and you know that's a whole nother story in itself. Mm-hmm. And you know my wife had you know some real deep challenges as well. Mm-hmm. You know being over here, and but then when we were starting to become good, mm-hmm. then our family in Australia was yeah. having some challenges as well. So it's been really tough on that front. And so it's really grown our faith to to go, you know what, you know, we're meant to be here. Mm. So it's built up a resilience in us to just go, you, we're right where we're meant to be. Mm-hmm. So let's just continue leaning on God. And these challenges we're hoping would dissipate at some point yeah. so that we can continue moving on. You know? So tough, but we're still standing. Yeah, yeah. that's good. And if you don't mind me asking, how do you carry, like, I know it's very difficult, like, like we're all part of families as well, and to contain, you know, because it's easy when you see a family member down, or you're very, like, as, also as a father, right? Like, you have all this love, and you just feel like, you know, like, you have to protect. How do you guys remain so, like, close in that sense? Because I think for people out there as well, like, you know, when stress hits one family member, you're just, like, you feel broken, and it's yep. like something's missing. Yep. How do you guys keep God in the center of it all? Yeah, I think for me, like I, I understand that this pastoral ministry is, it's a calling, mm-hmm. but it's not my identity. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was, it was an easy decision for me to go. My work is important, yeah. but my family, my kids okay. are far more important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was it was an easy decision to go. I got to do enough to keep, you know, the church moving forward, mm-hmm. but then create enough space for me to to walk with my son, to right. walk with my daughter, to walk with my wife, mm-hmm. to care for them in that moment, so that I don't just keep doing ministry for the sake of ministry, yeah. keeping everybody happy except my family. Mm. So in those moments, I just think, in terms of pastoral ministry. Just know that it's not your identity. If mm. you understand that, you can care for your loved ones. Mm-hmm. You know, when when the time comes, like they needed me more then, than me just continue to do ministry mm-hmm. and not care for them. Yeah. So that's how we kind of handled it. That's how we were able to galvanize together as a family and to put God in the center mm-hmm. and then come out stronger. You know. Yeah. Because of that. That's good. Yeah, I love, I love that, um, and. Like, going back from our last episode with Pastor Abraham, we were talking about how usually, like, pastors get looked, like, they, like, get looked over as human beings. Yep. Um, And we forget that these pastors are actual people with actual struggles. Um, So, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it feels more relatable to hear that, um, like, you are setting those boundaries and that they are Mm -hmm. necessary for your pastoral ministry. Um, But I want to take it back. (laughs) <laughs> all the way back all the way back since we're, since we're on the, the topic of past like pastoral ministry uh, um, I think it's always interesting seeing how a pastor became a pastor mm. so how did you get into pastoral ministry was it your first choice was did you immediately feel called uh, yeah. it was the rundown <laughs> <laughs> no it was not something I, I wanted to do it was um, I was probably 18 19 you know I was into I was into the club scene. That's what, that's what, you know, I live in my best life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That One time I came home, I was, I was so drunk and um, I felt compelled to go to the lounge room and turn the TV on 
and so I turned the TV on and I just remember seeing the, the preacher on the screen but whatever he was saying was different to what I was hearing because it mm. just the mouth wasn't working mm -hmm. but I thought I was just drunk but then I realized that was the first time I felt God calling me to ministry mm -hmm. and I was kind of having this moment with God going no I'm not going to do that like look, look at the way I'm living mm -hmm. and I'm throwing hands with God in that moment <laughs> and I thought I was alone but my wife remembers coming down opening the door and seeing me fight with God and going Oh, I don't, he's probably drunk and closed the door and walked away. Yeah. That was probably the first time, but I never thought about being a minister until I was in business. And then I went to a, a friend's party, housewarming party, just bought a new house. And um, I was just sitting with my friends. And then my friend, Corey Patterson, who played professional football in Australia, he, he just kept calling me Pastor Nim, Pastor yeah. Nim. And I was like, why are you calling me Pastor Nim? <laughs> And he goes, the way you just helped these people here, like that couple that was having an intense moment, the way you navigated that, man, you're Pastor Nims, man. Like this. <laughs> I was like, that's really oh, weird. And so God, one thing led to another kind of confirming all these things. And then once I felt the core was kind of like something supernatural happened. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I knew for certain this core was, was real. And then I said to Renee, I think I've got to go study mm -hmm. uh, ministry. And so she agreed and she was waiting for that day to come. Mm -hmm. And so I responded and got through college and, and here I am. So I haven't really looked back. Mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's like I never planned to be it, but I'm so passionate about it mm -hmm. because I know this is what, what I'm meant to do. Yeah. And I think also I've heard like quite a few stories um, before, but it seems like Renee has always been that like person for you since day one. Um so how, what about Renee? How did you guys meet? How did that come about? Yeah, she's... I wish I was just born married to her, man. Yeah. <laughs> she's the best. She's my ride or die. You know, she's she's amazing. My queen. We kind of met... Um, we met in high school. Okay. You know, so I went to Auburn Primary School, Adventist Primary School, mm -hmm. and we got to high school, Sydney Adventist College. And the boys are lined up in assembly one side and the girls on the other side. And so me and my friends, we came from Auburn. One of my friends go, you know what, guys? Let's look over there and see who do we want as a girl because we don't want to have fights. Okay, yeah. Claim, you know? claim, yeah. Claim yeah, now. so, so we, I, know, I know that sounds bad in today's day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you know? you're in high school. We'll give you that. I was we'll in high school. Yeah, yeah. Like, this don't is worry. way back Maybe in like 91, 92. <laughs> and so we kind of looked over and the, the girl that I saw was Renee. Mm. You know, I looked over and I said, hey, that girl there, Renee. But she was a real angel, like goody tissue girl. So for me, I was like living, you know, my best life. And I didn't want to corrupt her because she was mm -hmm. a really nice girl. So I never pursued her. And then at the end of year eight, you know, I got asked to leave the school because, mm -hmm. you know, um, my intelligence was too good for their curriculum. So they asked me to leave year eight. I had to go out. And then Renee kind of left school. And then we just had a chance meeting when I came back to that school, Adventist school, mm. and I was representing the school in basketball and Ren Renee lived close. Mm. And she heard that I was staying in a house near her. What? Because my friend's sister went to the same school as Renee. Mm. So they did this whole story like, well, you come over and say that I've got your, your year photo from school because mm -hmm. she went to Hornsby Girls. And then you'll see him, he's there. So I'm 
just there at my friend's house and then Renee comes over and I'm just like, is that Renee? You know, and all, that feeling I had in grade seven came rushing back. Wow. So she had a son at that time, right? Mm -hmm. So I walked her home and I was hoping she was going to tell me she wasn't with, you know, yeah. the father anymore. And she did. They went together. So I just took my shot, man. And uh, said, she said yes. And it was the best decision I ever made, you know, to... Yeah. That's how we met. We met in high school and mm -hmm. then we've been together since we were like 18. You know, So I've been with her now for 28 years. Wow. Um, it's the best thing. Mm. That's beautiful. You always made me cry with that question. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, but that's beautiful. Like, that's, yeah, I just, you're telling it the second you were like, you saw her. That's insane. Yeah. Those, those feelings came flooding back. Yeah. Man. Like, I remember in class, we had this competition. I forgot what the competition was. We had to draw something. Mm -hmm. And I went to everyone in that class. And I said, Renee's got to win. You know? And she won. Yeah. But then I also annoyed her because I used to throw rubber at her. Like, Stop. The eraser, I used to peel it off and throw it at her. No. And I, I, I used to do that. Did you see that? Oh, my goodness. And I gave her her first attention. Like, she was coming down the corridor and I was getting changed. And, and then I was kind of like hassling her going, oh, miss, she's looking at us. She's looking at us getting changed. And mm -hmm. she wasn't. But I didn't realize that was going to offend her. And she got offended and she swore at me. And then she got a detention for it. And so that's why she could never forget me because I gave her the first detention. And, but we ended up together. So There you go. <laughs> lesson. Yeah. The lesson there is uh, if you want to be with someone, just annoy them until they like you. That's right. Yeah, or they get detention. That's, that's, how, go. that's how young boys let girls know. That's it? what I'm saying. Not all of us have the confidence just to step up and say, hey, how are you doing? You know, like, that W raise? Do you know what that is? Actually? No. What is it? Oh, Alex. Can you tell him what W Come on, Alex. Educate me. It's a, um, it's a Gen Z thing. Or Gen Z's, if you didn't know. Yeah, sorry. Gen, gen, sorry. Gen, generation Z. Yeah. Okay, no, um, I'm old. I'm it's old. short for charismatic. <laughs> Riz? Charismatic. Yeah, but, but when you rizzing, like, you know. Charismatic. Yeah. Charismatic, yeah. Okay, okay. It's like okay. you got game, you know. Okay. You it's like riz. you riz up a girl with your charisma. Riz up a girl with your charisma. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find a way to put that in a sermon. <laughs> All right. You All right, can, we'll uh, you can plug that. the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah I will. I will. <laughs> I'll footnote the pod. <laughs> yeah. So all my Gen Z... Yeah, well, it's it's obviously you've been through a lot to to get to this spot in your pastoral ministry. Um, so, what would you say is your like your philosophy of pastor, pastoral ministry of pastor? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things like pastoral ministry is is other centered. You know, it's not about it's not about me. It's not about the pastor. It's not about building your kingdom and you know, because when I was studying, that's what I saw. Mm. I just saw a lot of pastorate. It was about them and their ministry and what their gifts. And, but our job, according to the Bible, is to equip the people mm. for ministry. So that means it has to be other-centered. Mm -hmm. You know, and the other thing that drives me is, you know, baptisms that stick. Mm. That means you've got to take time to invest in people when you're studying the Bible with them. You know, hopefully they grasp it and own their faith. And then they could do the same go out and make disciples and multiply. But that can only happen if we take the time to invest in people. Mm -hmm. But if we're about ourselves, then we don't spend the time doing that. It's just about what we can achieve and do things that make us look good, you know, and we have to try to change that. So for me, you know, obviously God first, 
family, and then take care of the church. Mm. But you got to equip the church. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge. Yeah. So growing up, because you said you grew up Seventh-day Adventist, right? You were born. Yeah. yeah. Was um, are you second generation, third generation? Uh, my grandparents were the first Seventh-day Adventists, and okay. then my parents, and then yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, so how has that shift changed? Obviously, like, like for me personally, I think in, I can speak for both of us. We also grew up in a very um, conservative church. And obviously the views as a kid was a lot different than it is now and how we carry our own faith. Yep. So how has that been for you, like, you know, that transition and what you... Yeah, I was happy to... Like, my church was great at community. Mm-hmm. Really good at building community. And it's instilled in me that ability to to create community. No matter which church you go to, you can create that community. But, you know, on one hand, there's so many things I had to unlearn. Mm -hmm. Because that traditional sense was, you know, we just keep doing this because we've always done it. Mm -hmm. And that just gets you to death. Mm -hmm. It's just not good. And so there was many things I needed to unlearn. and, And God did that for me. Like, I don't know about your churches, but we had a deaconess that would sit at the end of the row, and she had a long stick, and depending on the child that was being naughty, she just had to slide it down and then reach over, tap them on the head. Like, Stop. Whoosh. Like, that's how, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. no, I've never experienced we, Me neither. <laughs> like, we had fist fights in really? our church. I'm not even kidding. Like, fist fights. That's like, crazy. But I, feel, and I don't want to say anything either, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but... I think also like in your culture too, fa- like you guys have this close knit like family type of thing. It's like family. a different level. Yeah. Like you're tight. Yeah. Your family. You do anything for them, but that means, you know, when you have arguments and mm-hmm. disagreements, it's intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you are like family. So you know, fists were thrown, and that was the kind of church we got beat. Like I got a fat lip one Sabbath <laughs> because I was you know just being a kid, and then the deacon came over trying to get me to keep quiet. He's a big guy, and I'm like this 10-year-old. And he gave me a good uppercut. <laughs> my, lip was so, yeah. my lip was so fat. Like, when I say yeah. fat, it was fat. Like, and then my grandfather found out and went to this deacon, and my grandfather's a good boxer. And that deacon got really scared because my grandfather's like, I'm going to get you, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was only a child. Yeah. So that was the type yeah. of church I grew up in. Wow. You know? So that's why it's awkward when I say it's a great church, but at the same time, there was some... But it was very traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, it shaped a lot of, of how I think and see things. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of things that I had to unlearn. And, and, and I was happy that I could unlearn those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Conservative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I think it's also, there's beauty, like, also in that type of environment, too, because I get that. Like, when you see somebody you don't want, that's like your own kid type of thing, you know. But yeah, yeah. And you know, when you can get to a when you can get to a community where it's family, mm-hmm. there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I want every church to experience that. Mm-hmm. Like being, but that means if, to be a family, there has to be accountability. Right. For accountability to work, I have to allow you to speak into my life, and for me to speak into yours. But today, that's not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you to tell me? Right. You know, so how can you then get a biblical community when we're afraid to allow other people to speak into our lives? Yeah. So that's the biggest challenge. That's one of the biggest challenges for the church today. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and I and I get that. I mean, I'm I probably am guilty of that. I think speak for most when it's kind of awkward when you're trying to share like those deep darkest secrets. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't want to look weird. And it's like, yep, hey, yep. this is me. Hi. But I think that's what God, at the end of the day, he really, and it takes a lot of power to also be in that state of vulnerability. And God just wants us to be real. And if we're able to share our problems or yep. our also our victories as well, like. It takes a lot of trust yeah. and vulnerability, you know, to be seen. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, but that starts with us. It starts mm-hmm. with the partiality, you know. Not every story I share from the pulpit is planned. You know, mm-hmm. Sometimes it just comes to my mind. But then you always have people appreciate it. They're yeah. like, man, you're just so real. You're just like us. You struggle like us. And mm-hmm. I think that's why God uses it. You yeah. know, So it's kind of like they're not good stories. And they, I always hate it because it makes me look like an idiot. I hate <laughs> them and I fight against it. But then I always end up sharing them. But I know it helps people because they don't see me just as the pastor that's removed from them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just another human being who's on this journey, struggles just like them. I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. You know, yeah. so mm-hmm. I think that helps people too. Yeah. Yeah. So you made a comment, and I'm not going to say it because I don't want to call you out. But <laughs> <laughs> you said something, but I'm not going to call you out on it. Like, no, because when we said Gen Z, Pastor Dim was like, "Oh, I'm old." Oh, I am. I am. But I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like you're. I don't feel like you're that. He's old. considered old technically to some of his okay, kids. That okay, that was how old out of Gen pocket. Z? How old Gen Z right now? Gen Z starts at like ninety six. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Two thousand and until two thousand. Is it eleven? Oh gosh. Yeah, I'm old. Something like that. Yeah, I think it might be or two thousand. I guess like yeah, eleven. And and you've worked in churches with uh, like across all ages, and you have your own kids as well. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say are like some of the challenges that you have seen now with young people um, compared to like when you were that age growing up in in the church? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I see is that you know our young people are not empowered and trusted, mm. right? So, because in our culture as Adventists. We've always had this idea and belief that you had to have age, gray hair, mm. to be considered wisdom and trustworthy. Right. But then when you look at our young adults, some of them are managers of businesses, some of them manage big accounts, you know, some of them, you know, teachers and they're great leaders in the world. So mm. the world accepts them as leaders. But then the church goes no, we can't give you the keys to the church. No, 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 we can't make you an elder. No, no, you need more experience. Mm. And so that's the, it's a big dichotomy because it's like, if you don't empower them, then you lose them. Mm -hmm. And then you want them to own the church, but then we don't trust them with the keys. So then how do we get them to own their church? Mm. No, no, you can just take up the offering. It's like, (laughs) oh, thank you. (laughs) That's really kind of you, you know, but our young adults should be in our board. They should be making big decisions for our church. They should be entrusted with leadership. Mm-hmm. So they can own their church. They can give their resources back to the church. Mm-hmm. But without that, and so I find a lot of churches, when they cry about losing their young people, but their behavior is not to trust them with leadership. And I think that's mm. one of the biggest challenges for our churches, yeah. is to create that space and trust for our young people to lead. Yeah. You heard that now. 
<laughs> and uh, honestly, like back home uh, in Winnipeg, I've experienced the same thing. Yep. Uh, like I, from my generation, I'm pretty much the last one standing. Um, and I feel like as though it because my generation was specifically was not trained was not empowered was not encouraged to be in those leadership positions because they were already filled by more qualified <laughs> older older people like um now the newer generations are just less inclined to even show yeah. a desire to want to be in those positions so like even now here at civ like i it was shocking to see how how much involvement there was in young adults um even more than I would say, like, I haven't seen Kinzone, but, like, in church specifically, like, I see more young adults than than our youth, which I feel like you never see mm-hmm. in a church. Um, but I think you're right. And, like, it just has created a, a system of brokenness yeah. in which, like, the new generations that are coming up see how... Um, what like see what a struggle it is to be a young person in the church yeah. and they just don't want to step up yeah like i see it in church and i see it in school in student leadership mm-hmm. like less and less students want to step up to the plate um and like you're right like i don't know what what needs to change like, what, like relatable <laughs> actually <laughs> about that one i'll be like yes i'm struggling with that too <laughs> yeah i mean it, what needs to change is the people to trust mm. you know and and you know, we had a, like we've lost a lot. Over ten million young people have left our church, right? Mm-hmm. The Adventist Church. That's just in our statistics. That's a lot of young people. Young, yeah. We're talking young adults, and the majority of them, it wasn't stolen music that left. The reason why they left, it was the judgment that they received right. from the older generation. That was the, the one of the largest reasons why they left. So that judgmental. The other big thing for young adults is. They look at the world and the state of the world, and they want to be a part of the solution. But our church, by and large, the Adventist Church are pacifists, right? Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't, want, we don't like conflict. But our young people today, that oh, we see this over here, sex trafficking. What, what, what are we going to do to stop that? Hmm. And our church is like, well, if we do that, we're going to upset right. this group of people. And our young people are not inspired by that. Yeah, they want our church to be active, mm-hmm. doing something for the trouble they see in the world. And so we got to try to figure that out. How do we figure out from our young people what are the big things that they want to fight against mm-hmm. and then create a platform for them to, to be the answer in that. Yeah. And then when it comes to church, there needs to be a mentoring program to teach them how to take over the leadership and then let them go, let them trust them. And that's yeah. not easy yeah. because Pastor Abraham sent me something. Or oh, I think I saw it online or like Instagram. The tension is is that you've got the young people fighting for the opportunity, right, mm-hmm. to, to step up right now, and then you got the oldies are fighting against not wanting to be irrelevant anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm paraphrasing, but that's the tension. Yeah. So the, the challenge for me is to get my team to find a way where the seniors can still feel relevant and matter to mm-hmm. CIV, at the same time, create opportunities for the young people to be able to lead. So it's a delicate dance yeah. that yeah. we have to figure out. But we, our team is trying to figure it out. So, that's, but that's why you see a lot of young adults, mm-hmm. you know, in our in our church, which yeah. is against the trend for most churches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't see a lot of young adults, and our church is is really going against that. You know, mm-hmm. which is good to see. So. Yeah. No, I did appreciate when. Um, 
um, you asked for like some of the young adults to go find like an somebody like, oh yeah yeah that was nice because then one the, of the seniors yeah then the person who prayed with me she then later like two weeks later she's like hey like i'd like to go for coffee with you and that's awesome yeah and i think like also like that it was very nice because it was in, it was intentional when she came up to me it wasn't just mm -hmm. like okay we're gonna pray and then that's yeah. it um and i think for me like i i i can be very like outgoing and loud with like people my age like I'm okay, I'm comfortable. But then when it comes to the older people, I'm just like, oh my goodness, they're gonna think I'm so silly and childish. <laughs> and like for her to even like want to like hang out with me and even like go for coffee, I'm just like, really? Like you wanna hang out with me? Like the second you find out about me, you're gonna be like, oh my goodness, no girl, <laughs> she's crazy. Like she's a handful. But um, no, I really appreciated that too because I think there's like obviously a connection that we can also learn from the people that have been there before us and it's obviously we don't want to step on anybody's toes or anything like that yep. but we also i think for majority of us we also want to feel you know you know that we belong and we want to make this church our own as well you yeah. know um not trying to like take over or anything like that but like work together as you know yeah. yep. two yeah. generations that i think it's it, there's a huge gap but like i think we can f teach each other mm -hmm. each other not just like you teach me yep. um like because you're older but i can teach you as well in the sense of like this is what it's like to be a young adult in this era absolutely but yeah i think that was beautiful too because I, I got really emotional i was like oh thanks. <laughs> i think for me too like a part of it is like i know that they've gone through so much a part of me just wants to gain their respect right yep. so i don't want to do anything wrong or i don't want to to seem like that I don't acknowledge the like the stuff that they went through in order for the church to be where it's at. Um, and if I'm being real, like it, the way we think when we go up to older people and we're like, oh, they're going to think we're so silly or like they're not going to understand us. I bet you they're thinking the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, probably. Right? They're probably like, oh, I'm too old. Like I can't have a conversation with these young people. That's true. Right? But really old people get insecure. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, <laughs> But uh, like those, those are just conversations that are so necessary. And I think like both sides and both parties are just scared hmm. uh, because, uh, because of the generational yeah. gap, but like we want to learn from them mm -hmm. as much as we want them to learn from us. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it definitely is, or should be, I think a reciprocal relationship. Mm -hmm. um, like I definitely experienced that now as I'm, I'm teaching young students mm -hmm. and the gap isn't that huge, but like they remind me every day that I'm older than them. Uh, so like, I feel like, like it's a, like, okay, teach me more. Like, let me relate to you more. Let me understand how you think more. Yep. Um, and hopefully that like it creates a reciprocal kind of thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and in church, I think that that'd be cool too. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that with the whole mentorship and, um, just bridging the gap between these, those two generations, like that kind of reciprocal feeling, reciprocal conversations where people are just trying to learn from each other. Yeah. Like that's super, that's dope. It's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they've got a lot of wisdom. And if young people can glean something from them, mm -hmm. then they don't have to make the mistakes they made to get that wisdom. Right. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is, is this generation, they can download a sermon and they can download a pod. Right. But you can't download mentoring. Mm. That has to happen with human contact. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so we as a church have to create those spaces so that 
our seniors can connect with our young people. Mm-hmm. And I was at one church that did it. Like their seniors had what they called fellowship lunch that they would okay. do once every three weeks or so. And they would invite all the young people. So the young people would come in and join and get to connect mm-hmm. with our seniors. And one of the, the older men got up at one of them and said, I, I encourage the seniors that we, it, it's awkward for us, but it's awkward for them, the young people, he said. But then he said, but we as senior people have the advantage. Hmm. And then he said, and I was interested in what he was going to say. So then he goes, the young people have never been old, but we have been young. That's crazy. So we have to step out hmm. and make those connections. Oh, and so they did. Yeah. You know, they, they initiated the contact and, you know, connecting with our young people and, and they were able to connect with each other, you know. So hmm. we got to find ways to connect yeah. the generations, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I used to be like remorseful about that about that gap. Like you know nothing. You're you're so old. <laughs> like you can't tell me what to do kind of thing. Um has there any like because you since you've grown up in the church, you probably have had pretty similar experiences to us. Like has there any has there been a time where you've just been like remorseful being young in a church? Especially yeah. a traditional church like that. Like that you it, grew up in. You always you always feel bad because you're younger, you always feel like you don't know as much as mm-hmm. the, the older people. So that builds insecurities. Yeah. You know, and that insecurity has become your reality. Um, even for me, like I've been in churches where I'm not the oldest person, you know, mm-hmm. as the pastor or as the lead. That's challenging because you naturally feel you're inferior to them because they're older. Yeah. Yeah. And then as a Samoan, you, you're taught to respect your elders and then you're the lead. Hmm. Uh, yeah, like how's it working? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I respect them, and at the same time, you're the lead pastor, so it's challenging. But yeah, I was always made to feel you're younger, hmm. you don't know as much as me, hmm. and I hated it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were you? Are you one, a, a younger sibling? If you don't mind me asking, I'm the eldest. Okay, I'm the eldest of four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So three. I got two other brothers and one sister. Right. Yeah, but I'm the oldest, smartest. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, like, I've always felt like, now we're talking, like, family dynamics, but um, being the oldest, I w- you know, you always carry that kind of weight of, like, you know, being that person to your siblings. But then for me, when I go into the world and I, like, I'm like, okay, so maybe this is what my siblings <laughs> feel like when I'm, like, I feel young, you know, can, yeah. Yeah, I mean, are you? Are you I'm are the you? youngest. You're the youngest. I'm the youngest of two. Yeah, okay. You're gonna say spoiled. Spoiled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spoiled. Yeah, I can yeah. own that. Okay. Yeah, I know that I'm spoiled, but on obviously, like my brother, we're completely different too. Like I'm the more extroverted. He's more introverted. So, like when my parents were raising us, yes, they were learning stuff for the first time because I was the one who was like the rebellion child. <laughs> Or whatever. So like when things would come up, like the rebel, or you know, you know, like when I was living my best life. Yes, yes. My yes. parents were experiencing it for the first time because my brother was never like that. <laughs> like I, I wish can. You yeah. Like so him. I was. I would never have known you lived your best life. Live my best life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that means. <laughs> Whatever that means. I'll let, yeah. the, I'll let the people of the pod <laughs> yeah. figure out what yeah. that. What they can use their own imagination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. That's funny. That's good. Living my best life. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, we, we, we learn from yeah. it. We grow no, from yeah, it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I found Jesus. I so. think also for, like, 
I don't know if you can relate, somebody who has been in that type of atmosphere where it's very conservative and you've been so like sheltered that you're like the second you have like when you're older especially when um I don't want to say anything too specific but like Alberta when you like the legal age it's a little bit different than over here and you're away it's from one home. year younger right 19 yeah, here 19, 18, 18, 18 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so you start doing all the things you couldn't do before <laughs> you're just like you live your best yeah life. like let's just do it and then Sometimes people get stuck there, unfortunately, but like, I think eventually I know God had a plan for each one of us as well. Come back around and you're like, dang, but like, I don't know. For me, it was always like, I, you said no. Okay. I'm on my own now. I'm going to go do it. And, um, it's freedom. Yeah. So I think, I think about the person that I also want to be as I get older. Yep. And the type of boundaries and rules that I want to set, not even for my kids, but also for, like, people of, like, my community. Like, let's say if I were, like, you know, in the church, hopefully CIV, who knows where I'll be. But the judgment, I never want to judge anybody and their journey as well, like, their past and where they're going. Mm -hmm. Because everyone is always, like, going through changes and we're learning. But, I mean... Yeah, we, we lived our best lives, but we're still living our best lives with Jesus, you know? Mm. <laughs> like, Amen. Still going. Amen. <laughs> that was a good that was a good route. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's a good thing, like we don't want people to go out and live their best lives, right? Yeah. yeah. We that's not what we want, but it's it's you know, one of the things that's crippling our church is and I'm not talking about C R V but just the Adventist church is is a lot of our kids go to Adventist schools. So they go to Adventist primary then they go to Adventist High School, then they go to Adventist University, and then we want them to go be missionaries and talk to your everyday average person, and they don't know how to talk to them yeah. hmm. because they're so Adventized, you know? Yeah. And so one of, the, one of the benefits of, you know, when you happen to live your best lives is you can't talk to the people that's considered in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, it's, a, it's a true gift to be able to talk to them. I think any Adventist can talk to people in the world but have you ever seen them when they try it's so awkward it's so bad you know but it's not their fault because they've done everything that we normally want them to do go to those adventist schools and grow up in adventist universities but then they don't know how to share their faith with people outside the church you know and that's why for us as pastors we have to equip them with the tools and 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 the vernacular to speak and to be able to share their faith you know so that it's not becoming a, a, a hindrance to our people, but going to our Adventist schools is a benefit. Yeah. You know? so. And it's funny you say that because I'm thinking also like um, the way I grew up and when I did come back after my year at university um, and I got a job, like obviously first time job, I was like 18 and it was like in the world. And... Um, sharing my faith is so awkward for me. I just was like, how do I even say like, hey, I'm Christian. Like, and the conversations that they would have sometimes, like I couldn't relate to like at all because there were people that on different journeys going through different things and I didn't do some of the things that they did. So I was just like, um, yeah, I can't go with you. <laughs> or they're like telling you about like, 
you know, their intimate stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff. Like, what are you talking about? But like, it's also for me, when I first started off, I was kind of like ashamed in the sense of to be a Christian because I don't want people to think I'm weird or like I'm not relatable in the sense, you know. So I always kept that to myself. And I think the older I got and I still work in like very public, like um, atmosphere, like that's not a Christian environment. um, I've been more grounded in like who i am as a christian as well i'm not like ashamed if it comes up it comes up i'm not just gonna like obviously be like hi i'm alex i'm a christian like you know but like it's put on your forehead yeah right, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like a badge <laughs> yeah is your name christian or alex um but why do you believe why do you go to church on saturday because the bible says <laughs> yeah. Calm down. but yeah so it's just like for me i've been that shift of like I'm no longer ashamed to be like, hey, this is me. Like, you know, and obviously I'm not always going to like have relatable stories in the sense that they, the people outside do. But um, that connection, like how to connect with people who aren't, who don't go to church. And I found that like I can easily do that now, obviously, that I've let that fear of like they're going to look at me weird just coming a Christian. Like, yeah. and it's not entirely my identity. It is my identity. But, um, you know, like at the end of the day, I am me. I'm Alex, yep. and I I'm, I am a Christian, yeah. but I'm you know I'm more than that. I'm loving, kind, and that comes with Christianity, I think as well. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not being afraid to share <laughs> what you believe, and it does take a skill set when you meet somebody outside. Mm-hmm. But they're going to challenge you, you know. And some of our people don't know how to, you know, why they believe certain things. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not their fault. They yep. are a product of church leadership. So it's up to us to try to equip them to know how to share their faith. Yeah. I will say, though, and like, I guess on the other side, like as someone who has lived their best life, <laughs> uh, it was hard coming back like from... Mm. This is really eye-opening you know? for me. Really? I would not have seen that you would have gone and lived your best life. Well, we can have a conversation later. About it. <laughs> this is like, He's like, my I'm respect sure. for you, I, I didn't think it could go any higher, but it's just gone. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah like from someone who has experienced that that kind of lifestyle like it was hard to come back to the church um especially like and this is me being completely vulnerable and no hate to my church back home Uh, but my mom was telling me that like at one point they were all rallying and praying for me because they thought i was gonna like leave the church completely uh but it, you know i guess it worked the prayer worked because I, I ended up it worked coming back. <laughs> but what would you say to a young person who is out there living their best life and like is try is struggling to find that yearning to come back mm-hmm. well i want to say i'm glad if you stumbled upon this podcast if you're living your best life like that's why no hate to you if you're living your yeah, best life literally. but like yeah. You're probably, uh, probably you're, you know, Thanks for listening. I've been there, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. No, but, you know, if they're living their best life at the moment, it's the thing that's going to be helpful to them is a, is a community of faith that's not judgmental. Right. You know, if they come to church and they smell like vape or they smell like cigarettes or they got alcohol in their breath because of the night before, mm. like, they want to be able to find a community of faith that's happy to accept them in on that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's not going to judge them. And if they find a community where they could walk in and, and not be judged, you know, for what they're wearing or, or their lifestyle, that's the best opportunity for them to be in an environment, you know, in a church 
and in the hope that one day they're going to give those things up, you know. And so one of the things about it in the Adventist culture is the people that smoke or the people that drink, I, I was brought up to think that they were so lost, mm-hmm. but they're not so lost. Mm-hmm. They're so close to God, mm-hmm. you know, and we shouldn't write people off. So, yeah, if you're living your best life, you know, CIV, if we're not too far from you, come. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll accept you, you know, we'll, we'll, whatever it is. And, and uh, we just want to love on you. And, you know, hopefully you can find a family here and a community mm-hmm. here that you can belong to. And, and that goes for anybody that's on that journey. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've got an addict that's coming to church. You know, I always say hello to her, you know, every Saturday. I see her here, I go and I brace her. And she tells me about her struggles and her addictions and things like that. And, but I just tell her I'm just grateful to see her here, right. mm-hmm. you know. And that's what we want people to mm-hmm. to find a community like that. And CRV is that community. So mm-hmm. we're very lucky here. Yeah. So if you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. so what was the turning point for you when you were, like, go- living your best life and you were just like, oh, shoot, like... Change? Yeah. You know, at, uh, I didn't really know at the time. But definitely for me, it it was my wife, mm. you know. She is the closest thing to Jesus, man. Like, the way she loved me, her patience, you know, the way that she endured everything I put her through, all my poor decisions, and yet, you know, was able to still give me five beautiful children mm. while I'm living my best life and being an irresponsible male and... For her to love me, give me the grace, that kind of love, that's what really turned me around. Mm -hmm. Because I never really saw it anywhere except reading it in the Bible Mm. until I realized I had it right there, you know, in my life. And so that's what gives me the biggest courage in ministry is that I've got a living um, illustration that I get to live with every day Mm -hmm. and watch her interact with people and our kids that's very close to Christ, you know? So it was really Christ through her Hmm. that really helped me turn. And then once I turned and she would put her life on hold again for me to go study to be a minister and Hmm. and now I'm living it. And then for her to then sell up her business and put her life on hold again to come to Canada. Like that's the, that's the quality of woman I married, you know? So definitely Jesus through my wife, Renee. Renee. (laughs) Yeah. So lucky. Yeah. What's one thing you would, if you were to go back in time and tell your old self or Mm. like your young self, you know, like one advice of like words of wisdom, you know? Like knowing what what you know now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't change anything. But I would go back and say to myself that it's going to be okay. Mm. You know, if I could just tell my young self that, because I grew up as if the world was going to end. Mm. Like Jesus is coming back. If you don't get it right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, then you get to the 2000s. Why yeah. 2K? Like, yeah. You know, everything's going, are you, are you right? Are you right? You're going to lose yeah. your salvation. Everything was ending, you know, and um, I felt like you didn't have much of a chance. But if I could go back and just give myself hope by just going, yeah, you messed up, dust yourself off and mm. keep going, everything's going to be okay. To me, just in my makeup, that would that would help me greatly because I would always have hope, you know, and with hope, I can always correct what, however I was living. You know, so I wouldn't change anything, 
but I would definitely give my young self more hope mm. that things are going to be okay, you know. So that's what I would do. Mm. Yeah. No, that that. Well, what about you? What would you say? I'm. Well, I mean, oh, he, he said he really said Uno reverse. <laughs> he said, uh, <laughs> "Your turn. <laughs> You're into being last." Um. Yeah. I, well, what do you mean, young? Because I, I, technically, I'm considered young, right? Yeah. <laughs> she played that guy. Okay. See, that makes me old. I am old. Like to me, I'm like my life okay. is coming How old to do you an think end. I am? <clears throat> Here we go. Like late thirties. Late thirties. Forty thirty nine. Thirty nine forty one. <laughs> Did you hear that? Thirty nine. Yeah. It started off with four yeah. thirty. <laughs> I'm forty-five. Forty-five. What's the secret, passionate? Uh, I'm old, man. What's your skincare routine? Drop the skincare routine right now. <laughs> hey look, these gray hairs, man, it's I've got one stubborn black No, but it's, so it's a look, stylish, though. It's yeah, such a like, look. But it's got gray in it now, so I reckon give me a year and a half, and it's all, be all white. Yeah. Honestly, oh, really? yeah. I feel like after it's all gray, you should just keep dyeing it black. I feel like that's like signature pastor name now. I can't, I can't dye it, man. I feel like that'd be a lot of maintenance, though. Well, I think it, it would stay black, but because I've got these two staff members that give me stress, like Charlie and Abraham, <laughs> that's why there's a lot of gray hair yeah, in there. Yeah, I know. You mm. know? So I wonder pray, where they are right now. Pray, pray for me. <laughs> we'll pray for them too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, stop aging. Passionate. Alex, what would you tell your young um, self? Yeah, stop ignoring the question, Alex. My young self? Like, how young are we going? How like, do you, I, 10 years ago, do, I was 13. What do you consider young? Pastor Nim, no, what age? You know, 10 years ago, you yourself. you'll be dust. So, oh. it's, uh, <laughs> there we go. You're too young. Yeah, I was, well, okay. What, what would you say? To my teenage self, maybe? 10 years old. Yeah, ten I was gonna, years old. I was gonna say ten too. Ten? Okay. Yeah. Well, ten. I mean, I'm trying to think what was going on in my life during that time. Josiah was born. I, ten. Like, obviously, I would say something, and she'd be like, "What?" But I'd just be like, "Don't worry. Like, just be happy. Just be you. Don't be ashamed of like who you are. Um, you're gonna feel sad and angry, but." You'll be happy. I think that's probably be more, be more happier, like yeah. stress a lot less. Because yep. um, always felt like me, my personality, I'm very like, you know, <laughs> hi, like loud. And growing up, I've always felt like I'm always overdoing it. But I'm like, now that I'm older, I'm like, okay, like you can tone down but like are you changing yourself but or are you being your authentic self just trying to like not look you know crazy but i'm like you know what that's just me if it is what it is like it's, take it it's, it's a leave good it. message it's a good message there you go. it's a good message nobody asked me but i'm gonna answer the question because <laughs> um yeah, you're the host man there you go um i, I would say like relax <laughs> yeah like i think like growing up i just felt so much immense pressure to like be this specific person and do these specific things right on, um and i would just say you know like relax like just just do you because um, i feel like those years and i don't know i know this i don't know this is not 10 years old maybe like i'm thinking like 12 13 14 whatever but like those those are like the determining years of where the trajectory of your faith will go um and i feel like i just let all of that pressure get to me and that's why i went to go live up my best life yeah um mm -hmm. so i would just say relax take it easy 
just like enjoy the time you have in the ministries that you're in and the space that you're in mm. just relax yeah that's good but yeah thank you pastor Nim, for sharing yeah. like i think um your story um and your move to canada and like all the decisions that you made just just like solidify that faith journeys are journeys and they're they're never ending mm-hmm. and i think like for us christians the end goal of that journey will be to meet jesus in heaven Absolutely. Um, so it just doesn't stop mm-hmm. the journey just doesn't stop the grind doesn't stop, grind don't stop. <laughs> grind don't stop. Do you understand that or is that too Gen Z no, for you? It's Gen Z, man. You, you, got, you got to bring me up to speed. So the first <laughs> one was Riz, right? Like Charisma. Yeah. yeah. This one, it's just so the same. How do, you say, how do you say the first one? Riz. 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 Yeah. Riz. Okay. And then like, if someone has like really good Riz, it's W Riz. W, w meaning Riz. win. Like, like a win Riz. Like you win with your Riz. That's so cool. <laughs> well. Yeah. And what was the new one? The, the, the last grind one. don't stop. Grind don't stop. Like the like grind. The work, like, yeah. The, like have hustle, you ever done the hustle. grouse grind? Yes, the hustle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. the hustle don't stop. But uh, yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Uh, we no really worries, appreciate you coming me. here. Um, but yeah, this is your reminder. The grind don't stop. Grind don't stop. Go Keep on grinding until we get there. Riz up those. Uh, <laughs> actually, let's, riz up let's nobody. Not, let's Maybe just riz up yourself. So <laughs> yeah, riz up yourself so the grind will stop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please stay tuned for our next episode. If you haven't watched our last two, please go and check those out. Um, and don't forget to love God, love people, and serve the world. Mm-hmm.